I'm, I know very little about you. We have awkwardly <laughs> stared at each other for the last eight minutes. It's everything about the concept is what we don't do anymore. We don't just have conversations with people where there's not an agenda. Right? It's like meeting a stranger in a parking lot or something and then like, hey, you want to have coffee? <laughs> yes. Oh, so how are you doing? How's your day? <laughs> exactly. Well, we are live here with Coffee with Humans with my soon-to-be new friend, Christina. She's still actually a stranger. I only met her about eight minutes ago. That's the essence of Coffee with Humans. Two people just bumping into each other randomly and saying, hey, let's grab coffee. Before we got on the broadcast, I was thinking if we could have this discussion anywhere, where would that be? And I came up with we, we could be sitting in Iceland in a hot spring. Lovely. If you could have this discussion anywhere, where would it be for you? Love this question. I'm stumped right now. I'm not really a uh, beach person in terms of getting in with the aquatic life, but I do like to be near it and feel the breeze from it. And so anywhere by a beach. What drew you to clicking the button to have coffee with me? was searching and I found this one and it grabbed me. It pulled me in and it just seemed your podcast and Coffee with Humans seemed very welcoming that you were really eager and enjoyed just making meaningful connections. Coffee with Humans is like Sunday brunch. (laughs) I love Sunday brunch. (laughs) Okay, good. Because, well, you're in the right place. Only there's no food. Um. (laughs) You've done it. You've tuned in another episode of Coffee with Humans with my new friend, Doug Sands. Doug, welcome to Coffee with Humans. Hey, hey, thank you so much for having me. This is an especially exciting Coffee with Humans because the title of it had something to do with hypnosis because you said that you know a lot about hypnosis and you talk about hypnosis. And I'm I'm excited because... Hypnosis is one of those controversial subjects, I think, that some people think is bullshit. And yeah. then other people are like, it's revolutionized my life. And so I, whenever you whenever you put people at extremes like that, I think you, you've, you've stumbled on something. So I'm excited about having this conversation. And I always like to learn new things. So, <laughs> Absolutely, anyhow, me too. What, so having, having set yourself in the seat of being on Coffee with Humans, what inspired you to have coffee with me? I was listening to various podcasts and just reaching out to people and everyone talks about having, you know, just a conversation on the podcast, but they all come out feeling canned and everything. I think yours was the only podcast I found so far that actually felt just like a genuine conversation. Oh, really? Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I think I I agree with you. I think I've seen that kind of, uh, that movement towards, Hey, we're just having a conversation, but that's like, and here's the 10 questions I'm going to ask. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That we can have a conversation about, (laughs) which is a little bit, um, yeah, I think it's, it's different, right. To, to just to have an honest to goodness chat with each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. So many things can come up. Right. And this is, this happens all the time in in business people don't give it enough they, they don't pay it enough respect this idea that you're just randomly walking around meetings people and then you're like hey this is like in this case hey there's this guy who knows about hypnosis and you're like oh really yeah. let's have coffee and then we end up you know just having coffee with each other at a local coffee shop only now it's online you virtual. got it yeah that's what I love so much about going to conferences and in live events, you know, when we can actually do that again, right? The conversations you really value, they don't happen like in the actual uh, classroom or um, seminar room. They happen yeah. out in the hallway or they happen like when you're going to get drinks at the end of the night, that's what oh, you really remember about it. Totally. Yes. It's the human nature. When, when I, I totally agree with you, when you get outside the conference room stuff where we're all dressed up and whatnot, and they're like, Hey, we're going to yep. go have, drinks and get food all of a sudden you're sitting around talking 
then then all of a sudden you make the real connections out of which if you want to go do business you go do business with people you make real connections with i think you got it yeah so well cool i'm glad you're here uh i color color me interested i i like this idea of hypnosis what what do you what what is hypnosis unpack it for me like i know nothing because it's true i know yeah absolutely so first just preframe that uh, my name is Doug Sands. I am a, I call myself a clinical hypnotist, not a hypnotherapist, because to be a hypnotherapist, you technically have to have a license as a therapist first. At. So I do this full time. I do hypnosis completely online and I built it that way before COVID happened. I got lucky that way um, so that I built it that way so that I could travel and do exciting things. And um, I use hypnosis over Zoom, which a lot of people think is not quite as effective, but I find it's actually more effective than doing it in person. I mean, you do lose some of like the finesse of it, like the physical things that you can do with inductions and other things, but a person over Zoom is doing this in their own home and they are comfortable. And that is really the core essence of hypnosis. A person has to be comfortable because you are communicating with their unconscious mind. And that part of their mind comes from that fight, flight, or freeze response. And if at any time a person's mind doesn't agree with what you say as a hypnotist, they're going to bring them out of trance. Their mind is literally going to wake them up. And so the idea of hypnosis as mind control, it, it just doesn't work. Okay. So the movies, the, the movies thing where, <laughs> where you're like, uh, look into my eyes and and also we're like and you will never remember uh, was is that (laughs) yeah we're talking about doesn't work you got it so at least the the first 10 to 15 minutes of any session with a new client it's always breaking down those misconceptions people are like (laughs) are you going to make me bark like a dog like am i going to be a trained assassin or something yeah It, it just doesn't work that way. I saw a video of some dude, uh, and I and, and I, I'm guessing it was a joke, but I don't know. Um, it was entertaining, if nothing else. Some guy on stage where he's like making people like be a chicken and like walk around the stage, and I'm thinking that's probably not. I don't, I don't think you can do that with people, but I don't know. Yeah, I get a lot of questions about stage hypnosis, and it's. The one thing I always have to start with is that every single person who's on that stage, they, they volunteered to be on that stage and they knew that before they were going up there, they're probably going to do some ridiculous things. And so that was part of that unspoken contract. Like no one wants to see someone get hypnotized on stage and just sit there in a chair. Like you're going to get sent back into the audience for that, but uh, they're expecting it to happen. And when they go into hypnosis in that situation, it's, essentially removing those limitations, those inhibitions. And so a person on stage, they're never going to like beat someone up if that's not what they're, you know, if they wouldn't do that in real life, they're not going to strip naked because that goes against their moral code. Mm. Their judgments and their morals are still in place. They're just a little more open to doing ridiculous things. Okay. So it's like, it's, so if you're, if you're removing your inhibitions, it's breaking down barriers, but it's also kind of implanting this idea that you, you, uh, you're not, I don't want to say preying on the mind, but you're using the mind, uh, and the things that it's good at. So for instance, like you, people, uh, see what they're looking for. And so if, if you can start implanting that, then they will see it. Um, and you're, you're just kind of massaging them through this, uh, in a way that, you're using those strengths for obviously for their good. I mean, you're not, um, you know, pe- people aren't, uh, 
Yeah. Using, I'm trusting you that you're, you're not using it for bad. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in that, that stage context, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like someone gives a suggestion, like you're going to play an instrument. Like they don't specify you're going to play like this exact thing. You give the mind enough room to kind of interpret it. And that's literally like a concept from hypnosis. Like they teach that it's called being artfully vague because when you are that, especially in, um, in like a therapeutic setting, when you say to someone and you can just make all those changes that you know you need to make, like you don't exactly know what those changes are and you don't have to know what those changes are because their mind knows and their mind also knows how to change it. Well, that's also a principle from coaching, right? The coaching is this idea that the, you, the, the individual already knows what it is they need or want to do. They're just not yet aware of it. And so the concept of ask better questions, get better answers comes into play. You have there, sometimes it requires an outside influence to ask those good questions. The mind then puts together the answers, which it already knew, mm. but you're helping break down barriers or move through this vague forest to get to the thing that you know is kind of hanging out in the middle. Yeah, you got that right. There's a lot of crossover between coaching and, and hypnosis and NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. Uh, Tony Robbins, the, the big famous uh, guru, he is famous for bringing NLP to the business world. And NLP comes from hypnosis. It, it was developed by people who studied hypnosis and therapy, I should say hypnotists and therapists to learn what really made them so effective. Interesting. And this can be done in a virtual setting. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't see that like the because, again, you might it's uh, I think it's most people's that's made that might be overreaching. Certainly my knowledge of hypnosis comes from either stage hypnosis where it's entertaining, I think, or uh, or movies. Yeah. You know where it's it's just dramatized because you know, reality sometimes is not as exciting as a good, as a good movie. So we got to make it <laughs> I hear you. into something. You just, uh, but yeah. I don't understand. Walk me through, walk me through how this can hit, can be done from a, from a distance. Yeah, you bet. The whole concept of hypnotherapy is kind of, um, under, under the radar yet over in Europe, it's, it's starting to really gain some popularity, but here in the U S and other parts of the world, it's still really, really hit it as a change modality. But, the science behind it has really been backing it up for over a century. I mean, it's backed up by the British Medical Association, the American Medical Association. I'm actually working with a company out of um, out of Salt Lake City. I'm developing a standards of care practice for working with cancer patients because it's actually approved as a method for that by the National Cancer Institute. And so when we're working with a client, whatever the issue is, um, it's all about getting them to that state where they're ready to make that change. And we do that by taking them down the scale, down the brainwave scale, I should say. Okay. And so we take them from beta frequency, which is where we're at right now having this conversation, drop them through alpha into theta. And theta is that really nice creative sweet spot right before you fall asleep. If you ever had a really great idea right before you went to bed or you know, as you're lying there, that's the theta state. And so when we're in that theta state, we are simply more open to beneficial suggestions. When, um, when I give those suggestions to a person, they have to be in their best interest because that part of them that's monitoring all that, that will shut it down if it's not. And mm -hmm. so 
after we put them in that theta state, then we're using, I should say, I'm using tools from neuroscience and psychology and NLP, things that have been um, studied and really researched to make these effective changes. It's not just, you know, me putting someone in hypnosis and then telling them beneficial suggestions. Like that's, that's a very rudimentary form of hypnotic change, but I'm taking it a little step further and actually bringing in the science behind it and making changes using those same tools that have been proven. So it seems to me it's kind of parallel to uh, meditation or transcendental meditation that people talk about, uh, where this this idea of quieting your mind, you get out of you get out of the noise, the constant barrage of thoughts, and kind of settle yourself into a state where you can more uh, you can allow your mind and the quiet the kind of the quiet uh, I don't know the quiet air of your mind. Mm -hmm to can make connections that Adori is trying to make. Um, but you're opening that space up for, for the individual in hypnosis, mm -hmm. which is something people can do maybe in a certain way for themselves. But that's like saying, uh, uh, uh that's like saying a person can be a, their own therapist. It's like, well, to a point kind of yeah. sort of, but you, it's also beneficial to have somebody come in and ask you questions that you, you know, because they can see something in you or for you that you can't see for yourself yet, even though you you possess the answer. Mm -hmm. So also, it seems to me that um, and maybe this is not a good way to put it, but this idea of of like alcohol reduces inhibitions in terms of a party <laughs> state. Right. And it's like all of a sudden you do the crazy thing that you like you kind of wanted, like like uh, people like I can't dance until you give me another drink. It's like, OK, well, you want to dance. Yeah. It's not that you didn't want to dance. You do want to just cut loose, but only you feel like you need alcohol to do it. And that's, uh, but that, that would be for, for the kind of the party end of the atmosphere, you know, spectrum. Um, but like hypnosis would be kind of like you're reducing those inhibitions. You're reducing the things that get in the way of the thing that you already want to do. And you're guiding them through that process to do it in sort of a, um, uh, in a more efficient, probably more efficient manner. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely right. And um, that brings up the idea of what we call secondary gain. And secondary gain is uh, what you're getting out of the problem that you're having. So uh, to give you to give me an example um, from my own practice, I try. I was going to work with this uh, lady who came in for fibromyalgia. She was in a lot of pain and she wanted hypnosis to manage it. And when we were working through that initial consultation, I realized there was too much in the way for that change to happen. Like she was getting disability checks and those checks were her sole source of income at that time. And so if she removed the, the, um, the problem, then she wouldn't have the secondary gains in other situations. That secondary gain can be like, if I, if I'm allergic to cats, then my wife can't bring cats into the house. If I am constantly overeating, then I am getting attention from personal trainers and other things. And that's my only social connection. Yeah. And so it's all about um, making sure the person is ready to make that change and then lowering the, that inhibition, lowering that bar to making it very easy for them to do so. That's, that's much more complicated and profound, I think, than the average layman's understanding of hypnosis, because like you talked about for people to make change, you have to understand why they're currently doing the thing they're doing mm -hmm. because there's, we only do things we value and it could be something that's destroying our lives and yet we find value in it. So we continue to do it. And until we understand what that value is that we are achieving, we will never, we will never be able to think through about how we 
actually might value something differently or something more that can help us, you know, uh, I don't know, take away that value or, or remove that value or diminish it or mitigate it or some, some way. Yeah. Um, because like you say, you know, person who doesn't person who's chronically overeating, there might, they might be achieving some sort of social value out of that social validation, even, you know, like I'm important, um, yeah. you know, it, around these people because I've got all of this stuff or like you, you know, I, I, you know, I, if I keep this weight on, then that keeps me from people. And if, and if I can be kept from people, then, you know, I, I'm safe. I mean, there's all sorts of things that, that happen in people's minds. Yeah. But hypnosis, you're, you're looking at all of those things and then use utilizing instead of that, that, what are that beta state, you get down to what the theta state, I think you said, yeah. where the brain is just ready to start making connections, kind of that resting. It's almost like a resting state, uh, or near resting state. Yeah. Huh. You got it. It's, it's not technically sleep. I mean, a lot of right. people think that it is sleeping, but you are literally able to hear every single word the hypnotist says. Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't be able to focus on what they're saying. And that idea of psychology, bringing it into, um, hypnosis, there's so much overlap between yeah. doing it for therapy and doing it at, you know, psychologists actually doing this. And now there are a lot of, uh, um, psychologists who are getting trained in just the basic techniques so that they can, um, use these techniques with their, um, cognitive behavioral therapies or other talk therapies just as an addition to it. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, fascinating. <laughs> what got you into this? This is curious. Too. Like how does a person become a hypnotherapist? It was a very a roundabout journey. Um, I grew up in Wisconsin and a fairly conservative family and uh, hypnosis, all these other things. They were so far out of left field. I didn't even consider them. And yeah. it took me dropping out of college, um, working at, around the U.S. in different seasonal jobs, trying to find my purpose and then almost freezing to death on a hike to really be open to realizing, you know, I've got to make some changes <laughs> on my own mental health. And that's when I discovered meditation. And you mentioned kind of that link, that feeling between meditation. And there's actually a very strong link between the two people who have experienced a lot of guided meditations say that hypnosis, it really feels like just a very deep guided meditation mm -hmm. because when you are, uh, when you're in solo meditation, you are bumping up your brainwave frequency. You're actually going faster. You're entering gamma state, but in guided meditations, you're actually dropping down into that alpha state and sometimes that deep theta state, just like you would in hypnosis. And so I was listening to different podcasts about meditation and the science behind it. And that's when I discovered hypnosis. And as like most people, I only known about it as a stage show. And this podcast was talking about the, uh, the science behind it as a change modality. And I was hooked from the moment I learned it. And so I learned some basic techniques through self hypnosis and just seeing how I was able to make powerful changes on my own. I like hardly knowing what I was doing. I knew I needed to get certified this and uh, learn more about it. So I went through um, a training school, a pretty famous one out of Toronto. And I've since been doing online trainings and just really honing my skill and improving my business. Hmm. Interesting. So this was a, this was uh, kind of the, the classic story of man finds his purpose because he was trying to find himself. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> that's really, I think there's a power in that, right? I mean, the people who are operating outside of, uh, outside of their own internal drive to do something are missing a whole, whole level of power and authority by which, you know, they can, can gain strength and communicate. Yeah. So how long have you been doing this? 
I've been doing this uh, full time for about two years now. Oh, really? Yeah. So I got into hypnosis about two and a half years ago, I think, and uh, um, got certified it and built up the practice. And really just it's it started out as something I want to do on the side, like I wanted to do other jobs and kind of keep my options open. But I was having so much fun with it. And I was really feeling that fulfillment, I guess, that I was yeah. searching for all along. And so I just really expanded it full time. Were you feeling that fulfillment because you you it, it allows you to help people make change? I think so. I think it allows me to help them make change in a way that is so simple and so surprising. And so I've got, you know, having that interest in psychology, it's always been a, a curious part, you know, trying to figure out how the human mind works. And so being able to use these tools in a very unconventional way to solve the same problem, it's, it's just thrilling. Hmm. Yeah. And the, and also I think that the, there's gotta be some draw to it, I think, because it's out, it's kind of like outside the box. Yeah. It's not, um, like you say, you get, you grew up in a you know conservative family where hypnosis is not a thing, yep. you know, um, did you ever feel like when you, when you told your, you know, I'm going to go out on a labor when, when you told your parents or whatever, like, Hey, I'm going to, uh, what is it you did? <laughs> yeah, I, I hypnotize people. <laughs> I, I was, um, I was debating how to tell them for like a couple of months. I, <laughs> I think I, I was like one week, I've just got to tell them and then I'm to bump back and bump back. But, um, yeah, at that time I was still not in college and they were very insistent. I get my college degree. And so having that conversation, you know, I'm not in college, but I became a hypnotist. Like, is that still cool? Um, I eventually just had to realize like, this is, this is my journey. This is not their journey. And there, there was that awkward conversation of like, are you actually going to be able to afford like a house with this job? And, um, they've since really come on board with it. Yeah. Well, I think looking from the outside, I'm just, I'm listening to my dad in my head of, of how he would, how he would respond <laughs> like in a similar situation and be like, cause I would think that he would equate it like going into the circus or something. Yeah. And, and then I'd be like, you know, you almost have to just, it's got even, it's either in that moment, it either strengthens you or like defeats you. Like yeah. you're either, you're the like emboldened they're like, no, this is why I believe what I believe and this is where I'm headed. Or you're just like, ah, you're right. I'm tossing this thing in. You got it. Had I, had I really opened up from the very beginning? Like I've been learning hypnosis for, I think, seven months at that point. And had I started from the beginning and when I wasn't really sure what I was doing, then man, they would have blown me out of the water. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, have you, had you not experienced the change for yourself? That's, I think, a huge, you know, huge component of it. Right. Yeah. That you once you feel once you've experienced these changes for yourself, that be that turns you into a believer. And it's that sort of belief, I think, which, um, which does strengthen people. Um, and that's why I think it's so important that people go through, uh, like walk the, walk the journey and then, and then tell people about that journey because you can speak from, you can speak for a point of, I think, power and authority that nobody else can when you've done, you know, it's like, I've, I've walked this, this road. I understand why you might be skeptical. Yeah. I mean, it's the same reason that so many talk therapists have struggled with mental health because they they know how painful it is and they now have those resources to help people. And they, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. So what is the, um, what's the future of this for you? The future for me? Yeah. yeah. For me personally? Yeah. What's in your mind? 
I am expanding it really, um, really expanding into one-on-one consultations. And when I started, I was um, doing a lot of stage shows and uh, that kind of thing. I should mention, I'm also a stage hypnotist. And um, people say like, are you going to make me bark like a dog or do those things? Because you you can't do that. But I, say, I tell them that if I can hypnotize 30 strangers on a stage, imagine what we can do working one-on-one when you have my full attention in that session. And so right now, when COVID opens up and everything, uh, I really want to get back on the stage because that, that was a, a very early passion of mine. But yeah. I want to expand the practice and hopefully eventually have other hypnotists working with me because getting into hip- hypnosis as a as change work, it's kind of difficult because there's there aren't very many people hiring for it. And so you essentially have to learn it and then launch a business at the same time. A lot of hypnotists get caught up in the business side of it. Yeah. And so just offering, uh, I think like a stepping stone for hypnotists just getting started to get their feet wet before they launch their own private practice. Hmm. So you're a stage hypnotist and what, what, what kind of stage stuff set, uh, I don't know, set, set my expectation. What does that mean? Yeah. So I do, I do the standard comedy stage hypnosis, I guess, but yeah. I got started in high schools. That's where a lot of hypnotists get started. They do after proms and grad nights. Um, oh. I was just starting to break into the college market around the time that COVID shut everything down. Hmm. Um, I do a lot of fundraisers for high schools and colleges, and uh, my goal is to eventually go into the cruise ship market because there's actually quite a luc- or I don't say lucrative, but a thriving market that you can be flown out to different cruise ships uh, in the in the Caribbean or around Europe or wherever they are, and perform for like five weeks or five days, and then get flown out. And so that's really? a pretty good deal. Yeah. Probably the pinnacle of stage hypnosis is doing it for corporate shows. And th- that audience is a little bit interesting. They pay very well, but they often aren't. They're, they're a little more reserved. Yeah, I think in the the grand scheme for me, I think, I don't know, like 10 to 20 years from now, I want to get into corporate speaking and to um, use those tools as a change worker um, and bring them into the big corporate setting. So that I'd still get that, you know, that stage kind of feel, but I'd actually be helping people rather than just entertaining them. Yeah. So in hypnosis, stage hypnosis or not, the whole concept of we've talked about all this stuff and you've done all these things and then you'll never remember it. Is that a thing? It can be. It's often not the case. Like people will typically remember a lot of it because you are, you know, as we said, listening to every single thing that's being said. Yeah. Um, there are ways to induce amnesia in hypnosis. For one, you can just suggest to the person that they're going to probably not remember this. And clearly their mind can override that suggestion if they don't believe it. But there's also, uh, there's also things called patterns and totes, which are ways, which are habits essentially. And so a classic way to induce amnesia in hypnosis is to do a handshake interrupt induction where you start doing a handshake and then you do an induction in the middle of it. The brain's confused and they drop into that state. And then if you complete the induction afterwards, their mind, it's like a 50, 50 shot. Sometimes they have complete amnesia for it. Like they'll just think like we were just having a handshake. Like it is possible, but it's not always the case. 
Gotcha. And these are, I mean, this is not without precedent. Brains do this kind of stuff all the time, unknown to us. So like memories, for instance, memory transference and whatnot, we believe the memories that, you know, we're not our memories and they're somebody else's memories. And, and there's no, there's no, uh, no correlation between even strongly believing something and having it actually have been true. Uh, we, we believe all sorts of things that didn't, that didn't happen. Uh, and 50% of our memories are false statistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, these, these are, these are tricks that, um, tricks that our brains are already, there are already pathways laid down that, that we can go down these roads to not remember things or to make changes, make profound changes and do, you know, do one eighties on belief systems. Um, you're just, you're just kind of, uh, coaxing us coaxing us into it by by understanding how the brain works yeah and how we pick up on things exactly i just tell clients that uh, we're already doing these things and you're already doing hypnosis essentially because anyone who's ever zoned out in a car or got really sucked into a movie it's yeah. the same kind of thing your mind does it naturally we're just doing this intentionally yeah Wow. That is so fascinating. I love, I love this kind of stuff because I mean, these are, these are principles that I think are useful in a lot of circumstances, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and particularly, and the one that you use it for is to help people, help people navigate changes that they otherwise might not understand how to navigate it seems. Um, so what, what's the, um, I don't know, maybe this is something you can't tell me, but what's the most interesting to you thing that somebody has come to you for and said, Hey, it's, I'd like to, can you help me with, you know, fill in the blank? Oh gosh. I'm sure there are the standards, right? You know, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just before I say anything, all yeah. names are changed because as a change worker, I am bound by HIPAA law confidentiality. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of people. So I advertise for anxiety. That's my main modality or my main focus. And okay. so that's what I see mostly, but I see a lot of people coming in for weight loss, for uh, self-confidence and business motivation. I think the most interesting case that I've ever worked with was a woman. Let's, I don't know, let's call her Bernice or something. Sure. Bernice was 50 years old and she'd had irritable bowel syndrome for, uh, I don't know, decades at that point. And we worked in hypnosis and we, I couldn't figure it out. And so she kept coming back for sessions and we were making other changes, but we couldn't nail down this irritable bowel syndrome. And eventually it came out that she was biting her nails and through figuring this out, we realized that a part of her was causing this discomfort in her gut as the only way to, to say like, don't bite your nails anymore. This isn't something that adults do. Yeah. And I think that's so, that's so fascinating. Like the coping mechanisms that we, that we build are often worse than the actual problem that we're trying to solve. And the brain, it it learns very rapidly, like in a single time, like if it learns at one point that being, feeling ill made you not bite your nails anymore, it's going to repeat that because that's the only tool that it has. Wow. That is super fascinating. What and that's that's really profound. Uh, yeah, I so I coach I coach in a gym periodically, and um, you know people reach these limits where they feel like they can't you know they can't lift something. And that's the classic. I can't lift it, and I'm like, but you can, and you already did. It you didn't land it. You didn't feel like what well, you didn't you didn't you didn't you didn't catch it. 
Yeah. But you already lifted. It's already up here. Mm-hmm. And, and when we, when we start like working a person through that process, you find that the thing that they they're naming an issue that is not the issue, it's actually some issue way over here Yeah. that when, when you just tweak that, and this is why I tell people like, so you tweak that and all of a sudden the whole thing falls apart. Yep. And like, of course it does because there were thousands of decisions. Your brain just habitually went through in just a moment to, and, and your brain has, you have to give yourself some time to put it back together. And so then I back them away and I say, just think about something different. I, t- I engage them in whatever conversation and allow the brain to subconsciously like start crafting these things. And then like, okay, now I'd like you to look like visualize what this is going to look like to you. Get, visualize that perfect lift, take a moment. And then we pause for a little bit and they can now lift it and countless like when you, when, when a person, when you can look, well, I can look at from a distance and I can see that they're already doing they're already there. They just needed that one little tweak. And then we just give it some time. They lift it. It's just done. And they're yeah. surprised. I mean, they're just like, Oh my God, I lifted. It's like, I know. Yeah. Thank you for trusting me. And it, and it is when a lot, just like you talk about when, when a person keeps saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. The first thing I invite them to do is just change your, t- change the wording, change yeah. it to I have not yet, or I don't know how mm-hmm. either one of those will work, but stop saying you can't because then you absolutely will not. I, there's, I can't overcome, I can't overcome your desire to not. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, yeah. and that is the, that's the framework. It seems to me like that's kind of the framework for a lot of what you're doing. Absolutely. And then, and then you're just seeing that skill over time. And you must have a gift probably in this area of identifying or seeing people uh, the, and seeing the things that they have not yet seen for themselves. Yeah. It's, it's something you actually develop over time. Like when I first started, I was a little clunky, but <laughs> as you say, there's, there's a joke among hypnotists that the issue is never the issue. Like right. someone comes in for uh, weight loss and it's really that their aunt Marge is uh, was a jerk to them as a kid or something. Yeah. What I think is so cool about hypnosis is that unlike um, really deep change in talk therapy, you don't have to unpack the specific issue. And sometimes when a person comes in and they're not really comfortable, you know, telling me what that is, if whether it's sexual issues or something that they're just not comfortable with, we don't even have to know what it is specifically because we can run through those same language patterns. We can use those same tools and their mind can just say, you know, we're going to call this X and you can use that language and we're going to translate that to this. And so hypnosis is just a very effective tool as opposed to unpacking that trauma or whatever it is in talk therapy in hypnosis. You just take that emotional baggage and get rid of it. Yeah. Wow. Oh man, this is so interesting. <laughs> so you, uh, you, 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 you started your business virtually, obviously you've been doing shows and stuff like that in person. Yeah. Um, but, uh, or you, you've been doing this virtually, you built your business for this before COVID, which is, very appreciative of you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> I got lucky. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, yeah. And, and you, you see, uh, you see mostly, I'm, do you see mostly people who are skeptics who then turn to, you know, believers or is it mostly people who are just like, I know hypnosis works and do something with me. I'd say it's about 50, 50. Okay. Uh, when I first started out, it was a lot of people who were uh, already on board, but as I've really expanded and taught more about this and um, shown people just how effective this is, I get a lot of people who are like, well, part of me is uh, believes in, believes this. And part of me just does, has no idea. It's just ignorant. 
And so I see um, I see some people who are um, completely on the hypnosis side, even too far. Like mm. they believe that it can make them an astronaut or something in two years. Like <laughs> hold down, let it slow down. We just need to uh, take this one step at a time. Like it's it's not like a magic wand that you can just wave. Yeah, I'd say I see a, a pretty even mix of both. And do you do you when you work with people do you? ascertain whether they're in that point, whether they're ready to make a change. Cause I would think a skeptic who, who, who then reaches out and says, Hey, I'd like to use hypnosis or can you help me? Probably is the question. Um, do you ascertain whether they're really at that point ready to like, are you really ready to make this change? Because if like, it's like you talk about if they're not ready to do this, yeah, you know, you can't overcome their internal resistance. That's in one of cases. the, yeah, that's one of the, um, defining moments of an early hypnotist career that moment when they realize uh, when, when they start to see that pivotal moment that we call threshold um when a person is ready to change because if a person is not at that point no matter what you do they're not going to change yeah. and when they are at that point no matter what you do like as long as you uh give them the tools like they're going to change regardless like it doesn't really matter what technique you use in that instance when they're really ready to change um it's yeah, that's a huge part of what I do. Ascertaining whether that person is really ready to change or they're just saying it because their spouse wants them to come in to stop smoking or lose weight or because they think they should. And, it, you know, it might work. Yeah, I was doing some consulting with a group and at one point in time and I is closely held company and and uh, a lot of opportunity, but a lot of things that had not worked over a decade hmm. and. And after a decade, you know, habits are well-worn. <laughs> like yeah. you're, you, the, uh, the idea that you're going to change tomorrow is very slim. Uh, and so one of the things I invited them to do is to stop, stop dreaming about all the things you could do to change this. I'd like to know what you're unwilling to do. Yeah. And I asked them, cause that's the, that's actually what's controlling all of this stuff. What are you unwilling to do? Are you unwilling to sell your company? Are you unwilling to move the company? Are you unwilling to close the company? Are you unwilling to fire this? Are you unwilling? What are you unwilling to do? Because if you're unwilling to do it, there's no amount of dreaming of what you could do, which is going to help you with the thing you're not willing to do. Mm -hmm. And so we might as well know what those those boundaries are, those, you know, that backstop uh, to um to identify, you know, what are the what can we do here? You know, can we even help you? Yeah. Um Megan here, uh, compliment <laughs> to you, Doug. She believes you have a great voice to be hit. Well, thank you. I, um, I got a lot of comments when I was in high school, like you should be a, a radio show host or something. And like, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And lo and behold, now I'm a hypnotist and I run a podcast. So I guess it works out. <laughs> do you hypnotize people on your podcast? I actually like not on my podcast. Like I want to do uh, like not on that podcast specifically, no. but okay. when I do interviews, sometimes people are like, can you hypnotize our audience? And like, all right, all right. And so I'll just do a, a brief, like 15 minute hypnosis thing. And, yeah. uh, I keep it very general so that everyone can kind of get a little bit of change from it. Um, this one time I was hypnotizing this, um, uh, this couple of heavy who ran a podcast and one of them was so far into it that she was leaning into the microphone and like the entire time I was doing it, I could just hear her breathing like heavily into it. And yeah, it's great. <laughs> that, oh, that's, that's, that brings up an interest in hypnotism for couples. Is that a thing? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. There are some hypnotists who specialize in um, that couples therapy kind of thing, and you can do it individually or as a group, you know, that that unit of the marriage or whatever it is for them.
what are the so in that kind of in that circumstance what are the types of things that are because it seems it's so personal like you're making some sort of personal change and you're giving you know you as a hypnotist are giving personal suggestions and walking an individual through their journey what what kind of stuff do you do 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 people deal with in the kind of that corporate scenario with a couple because obviously I'm guessing it's relational stuff or something, but I don't. Yeah. What yeah. Kind of as, as you say, when you're working with more than one people, you can't really hone in on those exact things, but you can use this art, artfully vague language that we were talking about earlier um, so that they can map across whatever that change that they need to make is for them. And when you're working as a couple, you can also work on both sides of that dynamic communication loop. Like if, if one of them says something and that sets the other person off and it just spirals on that, you can work on that rather than just changing one side of that loop. You Mm -hmm. can work on it to say like, this is a problem that both of you had agreed is something you want to fix. And these are the tools that you can use to change this. Oh man, I'm gonna have to do more reading or something on hypnotism. I'm too, I'm too interested in this for my own good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what do, what do people start off with, with books or, or videos or something like that? If they're trying to, Ooh. if you're looking at like the hard science behind it, I do have my favorite um, scholarly articles. I post that on my website. There's like yeah. six or seven scattered around. Uh, if you're looking for uh, if you want, if you want to feel hypnosis and just experience it, I would send people to my Instagram because I give away this free hypnotic test drive, um, every Friday. And it's just a general hypnosis session, 10 to 15 minutes. If you are looking for a popular book, that's very readable, that kind of explains hypnosis. Oh, I would say anything by, well, anything by Bandler and Grinder is more so NLP, but that is a great way to um, break into that kind of idea. NLP seems like, it, like we talked about earlier, there's these crossovers yeah. because it's all of a lot of, it's, well, it is all brain science mm-hmm. and hypnosis. Uh, hypnosis has had probably a bad rap because I don't think, you know, NLP practitioners have ever been, you know, put into movies and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in quite the way, yeah. have. you know, you're, you're not wearing a, I noticed exactly. you don't have a big hat on yep. and the crystal ball. Um, yeah. Katie's got a question here. Do you think hypnosis lends itself better to certain topics or issues, or does it depend on the readiness of the person? I think it really depends on the readiness of the person. Like there are, there are the standard things that it works really well for. Um, it's well known for chronic pain management and anxiety relief. Those are one of the, the big things, but anything that you want to fix, there's that mental component of it. And so by getting your mindset and getting your own mental blocks out of the way, you can literally change anything or at least impact that problem with with hypnosis. Hmm. Uh, What kind of, this might be too personal. What kind of changes have you made with self? You talked about self hypnosis. What kind of changes did you start making with yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I had a lot of mental health issues. I suffer from depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And so not only did I work on that, like the emotional part of that, but then I had all the coping mechanisms that I built up after that. I was an emotional eater. And so, um, I had to work on my own weight loss and then work on my self image after that. Like I've quickly realized, like once you start picking apart that, uh, that problem, it just unravels in so many different directions. And, um, 
I've worked on all kinds of things on my own life. It's yeah. one of the most effective tools that I've, that I continue to come back to, to make changes. It seems like it's one of those things that, that, um, just as we're talking about this, that having that outside influence, that outside voice is super important. But then as you start internalizing how to work yourself through these things, it becomes this point of, I think, power for yeah. yourself. Like I can take back these other things that are controlling me. So like uh, earlier this year, no, that's not true. Earlier last year, <laughs> darn it. <laughs> be doing this for a while. So I've, I've bit, I've have chewed my nails and my cuticles like for i don't even know yeah since like third grade and i remember i think i remember this i think i think there was a girl that i liked early on um it, like grade school time frame and i thought if i stop chewing my fingernails she's gonna like me and turns out it doesn't work that easy but um it was a thing and i stopped chewing my nails for a while and then and then i just fell back into it well earlier last year I was just like, you know what? I'm tired of, I like, I am tired of having this be just a go-to for me. And overnight I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And then, and I didn't do it for months. In fact, so one of the keys for me, this is just an interesting key. Yeah. One of the keys for me was that I, if I started to like work on my own nails, like I, I would get, they had to be perfect. You know, yeah. this kind of thing like, Oh, I've got this little hangnail and all of a sudden and he ripped that. And it's like, now I got another one. Yep. And another oh, yeah. one, another oh. one. And so I changed, I made some changes. I put clippers hmm. next to my desk so I could just take it off cleanly. If there's something there, I just take it off boop, and then I don't have to yeah. mess with it. But the first two times I cut my nails, I went to a, pe uh, a man, a manicurist hmm. to have somebody else. Ah, yeah cut my nails and take off the things and do all the filings and whatever else they do. And I decided I can't, I can't be trusted with this process because it'll get out of control. And then yeah. if I start having, you know, well, I continued with not biting my nails for months and months and months. And then yeah. I think I might've been, I don't know, end of last year also just like, it just snuck right back in. Yep. I know what you mean. But I also feel like now it's like, okay, well, I, I feel like I have more control over this than I had before yeah. because some of those things, like some of these, some of these pathways that I've gone down, some of these tendencies that I have, um, I kind of know where it comes from, but I haven't yet figured it out. Right. Where like, what's yeah. the trigger? Yep. Uh, it's just like general anxiety. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oh, I hear you. But then there are these like particular things. Like I can't have that hangnail thing. And so keep the clippers around, like yeah. provide a different path. But yeah, it seems like, uh, I don't know. It just seems like the, yeah, anxiety, depression, all of those types of things that a lot of people struggle with silently and don't ever talk about. Mm -hmm. And they're insidious. They are, they are pervasive and very difficult to, uh, very difficult to control, mm -hmm. right? And then beyond that lead to all sorts of little little things, you know, yep. that just build up and pretty soon you got no cuticles and then right. Emotional eating. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I was, I was yep. joking with my daughter that day. So I, what was it? What was I eating? <laughs> I can't remember what I was eating. And, um, she comes out to me she's like, you're having another one of those. And I was like, I said, she says, what is that? And I was like, that's daddy's emotions. <laughs> 
and we had a good chuckle over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the issue is never the issue, as they say. No, yeah. that's totally true. We are complicated people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet so, so, um, so able to make change. Yeah. And that, that brings up a really great point I was going to mention earlier. When working with self-hypnosis, you can make some amazing changes, but it is difficult. Like there's a limit on what you can do yeah. because you have to be both the person being hypnotized and the person doing the hypnotizing. And when you are working with a hypnotist, uh, you have that, you have that trust in a professional, essentially. Yeah. Um, they have that credibility. They've been doing this for so long and you just kind of, you just kind of let them take the reins in that situation. Yeah. It's the, uh, trust trust the process yeah. type of type of thing. That's fascinating. Well, I'm so glad that you joined me for coffee with, uh, on coffee with humans. I'll pop yourself up here again, anywhere hypnosis.com or on Instagram at making your meaning. And you said you do a Friday thing where you just kind of do a, like on Instagram, you just let the masses. You got it. Yep. I don't even know what you're doing, but yeah. <laughs> so guessing you like walk people through a, Yep. I do a, um, on Instagram TV, I do a usually 10 to 20 minutes, um, hypnosis session. It's generalized so that, you know, it's not, as I should say, so that multiple people can use it, but I focus on a specific issue. It's not just me like putting them in a really good state or something like that. It's me actually using tools from therapy. Like I've got one coming out for panic attacks. I've got one that I did on seasonal affective disorder. And so, Mm -hmm. Uh, if someone is curious about hypnosis and doesn't yet want to pay for it, that's a really great place to just get some free change. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everybody gets, needs to start someplace. Yep. That's awesome. Well, Doug, this is fascinating. I love it. Um, thanks for joining me. Is there anything else that you'd like to uh, leave people with here before we get off this broadcast? I would say that whether you do hypnosis or not, or whether you do meditation or not, or any of these kind of esoteric things, find something that works for you to regulate your own emotions healthily, not like binge eating or a gambling addiction or something. We (laughs) all need to regulate our own emotions in healthy ways. Even if it's just taking a walk, because if we don't, we're just reacting. And it's that space between the stimulus and our reaction that really allows us to choose where we go in life. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you can't control your circumstances, but you can always control your reaction Yeah, or learn to. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I'll be back with you in just a minute. For all of our viewers and listeners, thanks for joining us on Coffee with Humans. We will see you next time. One of the things I love about Coffee with Humans are the raw conversations I get to have meeting new people just like you. If you or someone you know should be on Coffee with Humans, go to coffeewithhumans.com. Remember, the only rule is no sales calls. This has been Coffee with Humans. Subscribe to get updates or click to have coffee with me. Coffeewithhumans.com.